go ahead and pick your speed up your number one now, runway 27, clear to land green dot. Welcome to Oshkosh, guys. Hello and welcome to another episode of EAA's The Green Dot, our podcast for everybody who loves aviation. I'm Hal Bryan, Senior Editor at EAA, and with me on my left, a special guest host. Sarah Nissler, Digital Managing Editor. And over across the table, welcome back. Tom Sharpentier, Government Relations Director. And who do we have with us uh, as our guest today, Tom? Well, we've got Sebastian Heinz, who is, um, are you now the president of Zenith Aircraft, uh, Sebastian? Or what's, correct, what's your yeah. title? Okay. Or um, chief uh, pilot or... Uh, <laughs> king? King. <laughs> king, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the <laughs> like owner, that. president of, of Zenith Aircraft Company. Which is one of the um, uh, most popular uh, kit aircraft manufacturers um, in, the, in the world, really, and uh, uh, several very popular models that they... Um, that they have out and uh, several that are under development uh, that we'll, we'll talk about a little bit. Um, I myself, actually, and Hal um, are both uh, Zenith aircraft builders. We participated on the staff build of our Zenith CH750 Stoll, which uh, is still flying today in our, in our employee flying club. Very fun airplane to fly. So welcome, Sebastian. Thank you. That's well, great to have you here. So let's start at the, at the beginning a little bit. Obviously, you've grown up around aviation you know your, your father Chris is is well known in that world but uh, do you have any early memories of first being exposed to it do you remember your first flight or anything along those lines well you know that's a good question because I you know I like you mentioned I grew up in aviation so you know all my memories include aviation in them and uh, you know our family vacations were usually around coming out to Oshkosh, you know the big annual drive out to Oshkosh right. and and things like that. So I don't I don't have a specific uh, memories from that standpoint in the first flight because again I was probably flying with my dad before I before I was you know I was probably in my brother's lap in in the airplane a little two seater. <laughs> right. So uh, a lot of that uh, you know it's it's just part and parcel of of my uh, my, my childhood. So since we mentioned your dad, do you have a sense for what it was uh, that uh, that drove him to start designing aircraft uh, in the beginning? Oh, I, well, well, you know, I think uh, absolutely. You know, he was a he was a young man, always enamored by aviation and flight. And uh, he did all his schooling um, uh, with that in mind. And uh, he, he was fortunate. He was able to go to Switzerland and, and uh, do his engineering right. at, uh, well, the abbreviation is ETH. I can't remember the, the, the long German name for it. And uh, but became an aeronautical engineer. And then, uh, and then his first job was working. He actually, actually worked on the Concorde airplane. It was you know, part of a much bigger design team, obviously. But, um, you know, he, he grew up uh, doing that and then fell in love with, with light airplanes. And then he discovered, too, that uh, he couldn't even afford to buy an airplane himself. So that's where he started looking at, well, maybe I can build one, design one and build one. So uh, that's really what he pursued. And uh, so while he was working at uh, Robin Aviation in, in Dijon, France, uh, he started designing his own airplane and, uh, and, and ultimately built it. And since he wasn't he wasn't really a, a craftsman. He was more of an engineer and schooled that way. Uh, he designed things to be simple to build. And, uh, and that's kind of where, where it all started, is designing something that, that was simple to build, easy to build, uh, and affordable to, uh, to own, and, and again, tailored for the pilot skills of, a, of an amateur pilot. That's amazing to think about going from Concorde to you know, what we now know as light sport. That's, that oh, absolutely. Is, that's quite, yeah. The, yeah. quite the trajectory. <laughs> 
So I think uh, some of us around the table here know this, but um, why did your father choose the name Zenith for the company? Um, and then also maybe a little bit about, you've got a couple brand names out there in the field. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the difference between um, two of them, Zenith Aircraft Company and Zenair? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so Zenith, uh, for those of you that haven't figured it out, it's an anagram of Heinz, same letters, re reconfigured. And, uh, and, and my dad thought of that way back, I'm not sure when, but uh, for, for a long time ago. And then when he... He first came to Canada, wanted to form Zenith Aircraft in Canada at the time. Uh, you know, Zenith Televisions was a pretty big brand. And so it was a little bit complicated to, to form a name with, with Zenith prominently in the name. So uh, that's where he chose Zen Air, you know, the Zenith Aircraft, the first three letters of, of, of Zenith and the first three letters of Aircraft, so Zen Air. And uh, that was the, the brand name up in Canada. Um, when I started Zenith Aircraft 25 years ago in Missouri, uh, it wasn't as much of an issue to use that name, so we just incorporated a Zenith Aircraft Company in Missouri, which was really the, his original name for the, for the aircraft company. So congratulations to you guys basically outliving the television brand. <laughs> no, <laughs> Thank you. No disrespect that. to any Zenith TV owners out there. Right, uh, right. So as you mentioned, this is a big year for Zenith, being its 25th anniversary. Talk about where things have come in the last 25 years for well, the that's, company. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's a good question. You know, it feels in some respects, it feels like yesterday, uh, 25 years ago. In other ways, it seems like a, well, a quarter century ago, which it literally is. And, um, you know, for us, when we first came out here, we, we really didn't know wh what direction we were going at the time. Uh, we were pushing on the, on the one hand the certified aircraft, had the CH-2000 aircraft going strong at that point. And then they started talking about sport pilot category. And my dad was also quite instrumental with on the on the ASTM side, developing the, the light sport aircraft category at the time. Uh, again, where we, we saw the need and the opportunity to have a simplified uh, certification standard, as well as a simplified uh, license. And so uh, it was it was real nice to see what the sport pilot category develop. And uh, then at that time, we we had we refocused ourselves uh, more on the light sport aircraft. Uh, prior to that, we had the, the four-seat CH-801 airplane, stole CH-801, and then, again, the CH-2000 airplane that we worked on, which was a standard-type uh, certificated airplane, and we really uh, refocused everything on the, uh, on the uh, sport pilot category. And since then, uh, you know, we've, we uh, developed the stole CH-750, which has been very successful for us, and now we have uh, different variations of that, the cruiser model, as well as now we have the Super Duty model, which we came out earlier this year uh, with, which is, uh, again, a non-sport pilot category version of that same airplane. And uh, so for us, it's, it's been a continuation of, of evolving our existing designs as well as seeing uh, where the market goes. So as your designs have uh, evolved, uh, kind of so too of your kits. Um, you're using um, some, uh, all, pretty much all the... Uh, the most modern construction mm -hmm. techniques for uh, for sheet metal and composite, um, you know, building these. Uh, can you tell us a little bit of how, about how one of these goes together? No, absolutely, and 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 that's a that's a good point because it's true. Our basic designs really haven't changed dramatically over the years. It's you know we're still the same type of flying, the same performance, and so forth. But it's really on the kit manufacturing side that things have really evolved a lot, and that's where using uh, modern technology. Uh, namely, you know, using using computers and CNC manufacturing that that uh, that we can do with that uh, that has really dramatically uh, changed how we manufacture things, and importantly for the customer, it changes how easily and how quickly these airplanes uh, come together. And things like final hole size match drill technology has really really made 
building an all-metal airplane uh, quicker and easier for, for pretty much uh, anybody. And, and because of that, it makes it more accessible. Uh, we can find that you don't have to be a, a skilled person anymore to build your own airplane. And so uh, I think that is that has really been the, the main change over the last 20 years is, is how that is, has uh, made it easier for people to build their own airplane. You know, I can say from, uh, from the experience Tom mentioned, you know, the staff build we did of the 750 Stoll. And I went into that as, as kind of a typical person, you know, maybe with a better than your average layperson's understanding of what goes into home building. But still, the, the classic case of, well, that's probably not something I can do. You know, I celebrate that people can do it and I get it and I understand it. But, eh, you know, not me. I don't know which end of the rivet you hit with the screwdriver, that kind of a thing. <laughs> And, uh, um, you know, we got into it and, and started going. We had, uh, we had some great help, some great support with, like, Charlie Becker or Tracy Buttles. You know, Roger was up here. Um, and we did the rudder workshop first. And I have to say that I was, uh, I was very pleasantly surprised at how doable it mm -hmm. actually was. And that's, uh, and I think that's a common reaction is that most uh, people are, are a little bit skeptical or, or think that it's, that's something that somebody else can do, but for themselves. And it's by doing it, not only can they do it, but they have, they find that they're enjoying themselves uh, doing that. Right. I even uh, I did uh, a few columns for Experimenter when it was a separate digital magazine around that time. And and the, the title I chose for that section was, if, if I can do it, you know, the implication being that really anybody can. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's mm -hmm. some, you know, there's a broom in the closet over there that could probably build an airplane if I can help build an airplane. <laughs> um, this is a really unfair question, and uh, it's, uh, it's cruel, it's not kind, there's nothing about it that is friendly in any way. Do you have a favorite Zenith model? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, usually, I, I, I would say the answer to that is whatever the last airplane I've, I've flown, because uh, it, you know, I, I love that we have you know, six different airplanes in our hangar at back, back at the factory, that uh, you know, any one of those I can jump in and fly. And the most recent one is is again each airplane is its own is its own creation if you will has its own reason for being, and it's nice to see you know to fly in it and to really see and appreciate yeah this airplane is better for cross country or this airplane is the ultimate stole airplane and and so the, you know you know the answer is you know with the, the most recent one but uh, you know when I look at my logbook you know most of my flying I don't go anywhere. And so speed is really not an, uh, an objective. So I, I generally end up having more fun in the slower airplanes. In, the, you know, our Stoll 701, which is, you know, it's, shoot, that's, uh, what, a 30-year-old uh, design. Wow. It's still very much a, just a great, fun flying airplane. The fuel burn on that is so low. The, the cost of, of flying and the ease of flying because the stall speed is nearly a running speed on that airplane. <laughs> so it, uh, it makes it a, a safe, fun airplane. So if, if just for the pure enjoyment, you know, if, I want, if I've had a stressful day and I just want to go flying for 20 minutes and uh, just de-stress, there's nothing more fun than that. That's a, a great answer, and I, I think over the years of of types that I've flown that I or I've maybe have had access to regularly, and they do tend to fit in those two categories. You know, one of them I've, I'm going somewhere, I've got a specific purpose. The other one, you know, it's it's a beautiful afternoon, right. it's calm. You know, the grass is green. I just got to get out there. And that's and why we all need two airplanes, I think, a cross at least, country machine. Yeah, at least, at least two, <laughs> and the slow one, <laughs> and good for those who build them uh, themselves. Right, so. right. Um, you're doing a lot around SolidWorks right now. Talk about how that fits into building a Zenith. 
Well, um, you know, SolidWorks is the technology that, that we use in, in designing and, and not just designing, but then developing the, the, the kit as well as the instructions uh, for the kit. And uh, for us, it's been really a good technology to, to work with. Uh, it it kind of changes the way you design an airplane because you're not drawing something flat and then building it into the shapes. You're actually build, designing the shapes and then turning it into flat parts that you manufacture. So it kind of changes the way you design, and, and, and it gives us the ability to do a lot more to the parts, essentially match drilled parts, final hole size stuff. So it really makes it easier to, to, uh, to put all that together. Um, it, again, for us, it, uh, it's, it's how we design airplanes. It's how we've been doing it for a number of years. Uh, importantly, and, I, and I'm really proud of the partnership that EA has had with SolidWorks to make it available for, for uh, EA members to download. I think it's the maker edition of, of SolidWorks. And I think, I think the, that really gives the ability for, for the average person, average EA member, to actually access state-of-the-art design software and then uh, be able to take our existing design that we've done in SolidWorks and then be able to tweak the design, uh, be able to uh, uh, change it, test it, do run simulations on it. And so it, it, it really takes it to the next level that, you know, hopefully our customers will, will then start doing more of the, of the research and development work and, and coming back to us and saying, hey, well, well you know, I've tried this. Uh, have a look at what I've done with the design. Uh, and is this something we can do with it? You know, for years we used to get, you know, design ideas on a paper napkin, and that's great, <laughs> except that, you know, I can't go to the engineers and say, well, you know, look at this, because they're looking at spending a lot of time and money that, you know, to do that. But if a customer can, can come to us and say, hey, this is an idea that I've done in SolidWorks, can you guys have a look at it? So it makes it uh, that much more accessible. And, and even if it's something that ultimately we choose not to implement in our designs, uh, existing customers, they could be sharing that with each other. And uh, mm -hmm. because right. we, we try not to have too much control over our designs because we know it's a fluid thing. And, and again, with the experimental community, we, we like to experiment, we like to, to improve on things. And so ultimately, I think that becomes a really good tool. Yeah, cool. Forgive my uh, ignorance around this, but do you make, uh, do you make the, the drawings for the Zenith aircraft? Uh, the CAD drawings available. Oh, absolutely, to your, to your absolutely, yeah, yeah. For every design, so, uh, we we have the full blueprints available, so right. you can you can uh, you can scratch build the airplane from the blueprints right. alone, or if uh, you, this way you don't end up having to, to reverse engineer parts and things like that. Right. So if I've got uh, if I've got SolidWorks and I'm building a Zenith, I can I can get the the data from you, import it, and look at parts from different angles and absolutely. see how they go together mm -hmm. and all of that. Okay. And uh, I was talking about that, this earlier um, at, at the SolidWorks uh, event, but um, you know we're taking it to the next step, and, and they have a piece of software called Composer, which basically does does exactly that. Is where we actually write our instructions using the solid model, so that uh, a customer can rotate the parts, see how the parts come together, and uh, follow the instructions that way. So we're we're excited about the possibilities uh, of doing that. Uh, that's excellent. I could see the wheels in your head turning, Hal. You weren't yes. thinking about building, you know, the clip-wing uh, rocket-powered Zenith 750, were you? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. You know, tail dragger Zenith 750 with a big radial engine on it and Jados. There you go. Anybody there with me go. on this? I think the tail wheel with the radial has actually been done. 
Yeah, I, I talked to a member yeah, who was working right. on. I remember that, yeah. seeing seeing a tailwheel. Yeah. I didn't remember if there were if I'd seen one with a radial mm-hmm. radial on it. Well, you know, a radial so. engine it, it always pushes the, th- the prop thrust line down, right. so then you nearly have to go tail yeah, tailwheel. Exactly. Yeah. You've been working with uh, with a chapter down um, in in Mexico on uh, with uh, EAA thirteen sixty four. That's Mexico, Missouri. Just to be no thirteen sixty four. That's yeah. Grand Junction, uh, Kansas. Kansas. I'm sorry. Okay, so you've been working with. Um, uh, chapter 1364 uh, and with some middle and high school age kids on a Xenos 750 cruiser project mm-hmm. similar to our One Week Wonder, which we'll, have, we'll talk about in a second. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, we were approached by uh, the, the Chapter 1364. I think they call themselves the Flint Hills EA chapter, which is, I guess, that's the, the area of Kansas. Right. And uh, they've had a long-going uh, program where they, they work with area youth uh, They've had. They've been very active with the Young Eagles. They've have a. They have a really neat uh, flight simulator, full motion flight simulator that they've built themselves. Oh, very cool. And uh, and they got funding from a community uh, foundation to uh, to to build an airplane. And uh, so they they came to to AirVenture Oshkosh and 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 they had about, I don't know about five or six different airplanes on their on their list that, that has potential kits that they could build. And and ultimately they chose the to build a. A CH-750 cruiser airplane, I think, because of the of the match drill parts and so forth. And we also offered to them to come out and visit with them uh, to do a, what we call a launch party. Uh, and, uh, you know, I flew myself and my son. We flew out uh, 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 to, uh, to uh, Grand, where is it? Junction City, Colorado, or uh, Junction City, Kansas. Geography is hard yeah. for all of us. <laughs> We're all struggling with it. Uh, but we think, need a globe here yeah, on the I green dot. I think that's dot. what it is. It's uh, Junction City, Kansas, which is uh, which is about uh, two hours uh, west of Kansas City. Okay. And uh, and uh, we started building the the aircraft. Uh, we they, they picked up the the fuselage kit initially, and we kind of started putting that together with uh, middle middle and high school age kids. Uh, their parents were involved, and then as well as other chapter members, EA chapter members. And so we did that all day, got most of the fuselage assembly done, and now they can plan to continue on, on working uh, on that and then ultimately uh, have forming a flying club with that and then having hopefully having some of the kids uh, that were involved in building the airplane become members of the flying club, learn to fly in it, and so forth. So I think that's a great way of, uh, of introducing home building to a larger community that way. Absolutely, and taking kids right into flying. And, and you think about the satisfaction of having worked on this project. You know, it's, it's one thing to go and... Just get an airplane ride and go get flight training. That's that's rewarding enough. But to be that age and to have had a hand in the construction of Absolutely. it, that's, that's powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you and your family have a long history of supporting EAA. If you can maybe talk about that and why. Well, you know, EAA, you know, Experimental Aircraft Association, and you know, being being a kit manufacturer, that's you know, just an obvious tie-in uh, from that standpoint. And uh, so we've we've always been supporters of EA in whatever capacity that that, that we could be, and uh, and so whether it's working individually with EA chapters around the country, um, whether it's working with EA headquarters in whatever capacity uh, we could, uh, you know, my dad did a, an, an, I think it was at the time it was called an eight day wonder because I think their earlier conventions were eight days long, mm-hmm. and they weren't a, a seven day convention, but no. they built uh, in 1976 they built an airplane. Mm-hmm. Here at, at Oshkosh, an, an entire airplane, uh, 
um, you know, again, as, as ways to, to promote and, and, and demonstrate that uh, airplanes could be built by amateur builders. And when I look back, you know, think, looking at the technology of the kits back in 1976 versus where the kits are today, it, it was a lot bigger accomplishment yeah. back then than I think uh, it is today. You're practically carving an airplane out of a solid block of aluminum, <laughs> sort of whittling it down to an airplane well, you shape know, uh, at that point. There's, there's, some, there's some truth to that <laughs> in the sense, you know, a wing skin was a flat piece of sheet metal, and you still had to drill, measure, and drill every yeah. single hole on that, trim it, you know, by hand, hand snips, and so forth. So it was uh, definitely a bigger commitment and a bigger, uh, bigger job to do that. And, um, you know, in the last few years, again, uh, EA, uh, first we did the uh, staff-built uh, uh, EA project, and we were happy to donate a kit for that because I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing for EA to, to, to promote building among its own staff because as a member organization, um, you can best serve your members if, if you're one of them. And right. so I think it's great that it gave you the opportunity, uh, Hal and Tom, both of you were able to actually work on a kit, and, and, and so you can kind of... You can kind of see what that is all about, uh, yeah. building an airplane. That was powerful stuff. And, you know, we, we did sort of like Wednesday nights and Saturday mornings, right. and we had kind of a rotating team of people. And we were we were absolutely in no rush. And we do sometimes affectionately call it the 100-week wonder. It gives us sort of about what it, uh, about what it took. But mm-hmm. definitely one of the most satisfying things I've been involved in. And, uh, you know, and certainly all of us that, uh, on behalf of EA are grateful for that level of support and, and all the others. Yeah, um, we're definitely glad to have that airplane around. Talk about the One Week Wonder um, in 2014 during AirVenture, you know, how, how that got pulled together and how you guys were involved in that. Well, you know, for, for quite a few years, uh, we've, we've, we've said that we should repeat what my dad did again in 1976, re- repeat that. And uh, EAA for, you know, it, it was just a question of coordinating it and, and so forth. There's, there's, there was the interest there, but it was more the pulling the logistics together. And it was uh, finally with uh, Charlie Becker, uh, you know, it was, I think it was uh, at AirVenture to uh, 2013 that, uh, uh, he decided that this, the next year we were going to do this, and uh, and I'm sure uh, working with others within EA as well. But uh, and so uh, we had a it, it was in uh, at AirVenture 2013. We decided to do that. We had a full year of planning to be able to do that, and so we over the year we 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 started uh, we started doing the, the the all the planning stuff, uh, doing the the flow charts and seeing well can we do it. And um, and I was I was always confident that doing it was the easy part. It was more the everything else. It was the planning, the having the the, the logistics, the location, the tools, everything else uh, for that. And uh, you know, and I know Charlie was always a little bit concerned about, well, are you guys going to be able to do it to pull it off? And I you know, and I explained to him, you know, we're scheduling eight hours a day to work on it, but we've got twenty four hours in a day. So, you know, we had we and and again, the team that we pulled together, we had their commitment that you know we were going to we had the schedule and we knew what we were gonna, going to do. And again, I think importantly with the one week wonder is that we never lost focus of of getting other visitors to participate mm-hmm. on it. And that was always an important part of it because, you know, you could put five guys and, and lock them up in a, in, a, in a shed and, you know, a week later, yeah, you'll have an airplane. But the, that's going to benefit those five guys and no one else. Yeah. Right. And so w- with doing it at AirVenture, and it was right at the four corners, I think they call that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, where we had, I think, about 2,500 folks were able to actually pull a rivet, sign their name. And, that, and, it, and it's still today I get calls all the time from folks that say, oh, I worked on that one-week wonder. and. Yep. And so forth. So I think it was a it was a major accomplishment being able to n- not so much do it, but get so many people involved in, in doing it. 
Yep. And uh, and then, of course, having a nice airplane at the end of the day. You know, the, when I look at the wonder, one week wonder now, I say, you know, that considering that, that airplane was built in seven days, <laughs> had that many different hands involved, <laughs> that it's 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 really a nice airplane. And I've I've flown it. Uh, I was down in Florida uh, flying it when they were touring it with it. It's just a nice airplane. It's got state of the art touchscreen, Dynon, Skyview avionics on it. It has a, the, the Rotax IS Sport engine on there. Again, state-of-the-art today, even, you know, this is a three-year-old project now, mm -hmm. but it's still a state-of-the-art little airplane, and it really does well for that. Yeah. First you, time I pulled a rivet was, was that week, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So you're one of the 2,500. I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So thanks for building an airplane, Sarah. You're welcome. One rivet at a time. <laughs> one rivet at a time. <laughs> so speaking of, uh, of state-of-the-art, uh, Sebastian, um, you rolled out a new airplane, uh, introduced a new airplane at AirVenture this year. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about that, and then let's just talk about uh, what the future holds for Zenith. Well, we were happy to bring the Super Duty, and we called it the Super Duty because it's it's kind of like a CH-750 on steroids. It's right. it's um, heavier duty. So, you know, the 750 uh, airplane was always designed with the sport pilot, light sport aircraft parameters in mind. Um, and now, uh, you know, when with the recent advent of basic med and, and so forth, where hopefully uh, uh, pilots can continue flying without the, without the, the constraints of the old third-class medical and the uncertainty that it always presents to, to a lot of pilots, uh, basic med will hopefully keep a lot of those guys flying longer and, and again, give them the certainty that they will be able to do that. So we, we, we basically took our Stoll CH750 design and said, well, okay, let's take away the, the weight restriction, re-engineer it for for more weight, more capability. And as we know, you know, a, a four-seater airplane is always a good two-seater. And, uh, right. and uh, so, you know, our Stoll airplanes are great little utility airplanes, but they're somewhat limiting in, in how much you can carry with them, in, in them. And so with the, with the Super Duty, we, we upped the gross weight from 1320 up to uh, 1,900 pounds, which is a significant wow. increase. Because they're relatively slow airplanes, uh, your loads, you don't really have to re-engineer a whole lot because you can't get those, air, you know, high-lift airplanes, high drag. You're never going to get that airplane to go very fast. Right. So from an engineering standpoint, it's less challenging to, to do to increase the gross weight by that amount. And um, with the Super Duty, so we, we put a much bigger engine as well on it. Uh, we put an IO375 engine, 205 horsepower oh, engine on it. And as a Stoll airplane, you know, it's all about short takeoff and, and steep climb out uh, with that airplane. It's still a slow airplane because it's still very high lift. Right. And uh, then we added a rear jump seat in it. It's not so much that we needed a rear seat, but we've got all that capability to carry more in the back. And I know customers will be wanting to do it anyway. So we put, you know, the hard points for seat belt in the back as, uh, and, and then of course had to, had to re-engineer the landing gear because we're carrying 1,900 pounds instead of, instead of 1,300 pounds. And so, it, you know, quite a few changes uh, like that. Another big thing we introduced in the CH, uh, in the 750 Super Duty airplane was the unpanel on there. And that's using Avolution's uh, uh, a new 17-inch uh, uh, glass panel display. And rather than try to put that on, fit that in an instrument panel, we actually took the instrument panel out of the airplane and uh, put an articulating arm and then and then mounted that to it. And uh, so we've had re really a, a interesting uh, response to that because it's so different. A lot of people don't really know what to think about right. it because it's a very different uh, element. Well, I've been in airplanes that have a throwover yoke, you know, like the uh, Beaver, the old Bonanzas, mm -hmm. things like that, but never a throwover panel. Right Absolutely. Yeah. Hand me the instrument panel. Absolutely. Well, you know, you know, the traditional instrument panel, it was designed around individual instruments. And exactly. now with the glass panel display, we've really got the ability to, to reposition our, our instruments on the actual glass panel. And a 17-inch panel, that's a lot of real estate, too. 
Yeah, I really do like to see that kind of out of out of the box thinking in in um, experimental aircraft because I I mean you're absolutely right the the glass cockpits that we've been using for gosh the last decade we've built those around the traditional instrument panel but there's no reason why we have to do that and, and yeah you guys just asked why do we have to do it that way and, and, and changed it absolutely and that's a wonderful thing about experimental aviation you ask that question you say why and then you say well let's try it out <laughs> and that's exactly what we did and and there are some elements that we really like about it because where we can reposition the the actual instruments uh, so they're sitting much more in, 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 the, in the line of sight. So we're not having to look down at the instrument panel and then back up right. where we're flying. So I think from, from a safety standpoint, uh, we really introduced some, some new elements that I think will be interesting. And then we increase the visibility as well by taking away that panel. So, uh, again, two, two very positive things. That's really intriguing. It's going to be fascinating to see if other... Uh, other manufacturers follow suit, see how the builders take to it. I think it's a fascinating idea. Um, on the subject of uh, of, of the, the future for you guys, um, tell us what's going on with, uh, with the SAM. That's a, a design you guys acquired, mm -hmm. was that a year couple, ago, a couple years nearly, ago? Nearly a couple of years ago. Wow. And, uh, and you know, we, we acquired it because it was just it, it, the opportunity became available. And, right. and one of the reasons we, we bought the company is that, they, they had the entire design in SolidWorks. It was, the, the SAM aircraft was actually designed in SolidWorks. So it, we weren't just buying a prototype and a bunch of sketches. We, we were right. actually buying, buying a, 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 a relatively sophisticated SolidWorks design. And, you know, the original design, it was, it was made for the light sport category, sport pilot. And, uh, and, and ultimately, the prototype was a little bit overweight, um, had limited useful load. Um, it was powered by the Rotax, which for the size of the airplane was a little bit underpowered. And so, so we decided to, to, to pull the engine off. Uh, we decided that with a tandem uh, configuration like that to, to turn it into a tail dragger airplane because, it's again, that type of airplane, it's, there's more nostalgia with yes. it. And I think the, the looks uh, were better served as a tail dragger airplane. And, uh, and then ultimately we decided, well, we're also going to increase the gross weight on it. So, of course, once you do that, you're also going back to the drawing board and, <laughs> right. and so forth. So, so you know, we, we haven't done a lot of work on the surface, but a lot of the work is, is behind the scenes. Again, back in the SolidWorks model, because everything already was in the SolidWorks uh, model, we were able to tweak it to work on it. So that's what we're doing right now, doing a lot more work behind the scenes. And because for us it was a, an addition to our existing product line, uh, again, we've been, been busy with our existing airplanes, so there, there hasn't been any, any push to, to, to get it to market. Uh, um, I'm always a, a big believer in not, in not pre-selling an airplane, so uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I haven't accepted a single deposit on, on that airplane, even though quite a few requests for that. So I have no pressure to deliver either, so I, I, don't, have, I don't have somebody calling me once a week, where's, where's the airplane I, I, I sent a deposit <laughs> on? So it, it makes me sleep at night a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a refreshing point of view and right. a great approach. All right. Well, Sebastian Heinz, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. It was uh, fortuitous. You happened to be in town uh, for another event. Um, and, and thanks again with all sincerity for everything that, uh, that you and Zenith Aircraft have done for EAA over the years. Uh, you've been such a great supporter and, uh, and a great partner on so many, uh, so many ventures. And it's a, it's a privilege uh, for me, and I'm sure I speak for, for Tom and, and now Sarah, uh, yeah. for each of us having uh, to, to some degree or other uh, <laughs> helped build a, a Zenith airplane. And for, for Tom and I to have experience flying them. So it means a lot to us. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Well, thanks again to everybody out there listening. Please keep the feedback coming. Keep getting us uh, those reviews. Let us know what you like. And if there's something you don't like, I guess you can let us know that too, although I'd rather not hear it. And uh, with that, 
Uh, please uh, join us again the next time when you're cleared to land on the Green Dot.